We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 124th episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast. My name and your host for today is Andy Herman. Uh, I am a writer for Cheesehead TV, a analyst for Green Bay Nation, and of course, you can always follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. I am flying solo this evening. I have no guest uh, to mourn in my sadness of another Packers loss today, so you will all be uh, here for my individual Packers therapy as we go on throughout this episode. A disappointing 17-24 to loss at the hands of the Minnesota Vikings. They had opportunities. They had leads in this game. It was kind of a classic example of how the Packers have played this season. The opportunities were there. They couldn't take advantage of it. They couldn't get the big plays. Uh, they made mistakes that shot themselves in the foot. Uh, some you know, intriguing decision-making, to say the least. We'll kind of cover all of that, some of the play-by-play that went down and, and really led to the Packers losing this game. Uh, some of the players who stood out certainly want to touch base on those as well. Uh, and I think really at the end of this episode, something that I'm going to really focus in on is that fourth down decision by Mike McCarthy as well. But let's kind of get started. Let's just jump right into it. I'll kind of start today by just going through a little bit of a drive-by-drive analysis of what happened in the in the game for the Packers. You know, really uh, starting things off, the the Vikings – uh, you know, got the ball first. And it, actually the first few drives throughout this game, it looked like it was going to maybe be a little bit of a defensive struggle. The game actually started with three straight three and outs and three straight punts. 
you know, great defense by the Packers forcing those two three and outs. Um, of course, the first drive stalled for the Packers on offense, but looked like maybe it was going to be a little bit more of a defensive struggle. And uh, obviously that didn't totally end up being the case. In fact, the next four drives immediately after were all touchdown drives, starting with a Green Bay touchdown drive. And again, this is where they picked up that early lead, up 7 nothing. Started off uh, here with a seven-play, 68-yard drive. Uh, really, the big play on this drive was a Devontae Adams pass interference call that went for 26 yards, and then he paid it off a few plays later with a 15-yard touchdown catch and, again, put the Packers up 7 to nothing. And then Minnesota responded right back. And I'll say this, and I, I don't have any statistics to back this up. I didn't go back and research this. It's probably one of the few things I actually didn't for this episode, but it always seems to me that even when the defense has been playing well over the course of the last couple seasons, that when Green Bay has had the opportunity to gain momentum in a game and they go up 7 nothing or they go up 14-7, to that the defense has consistently been a letdown in these specific scenarios. Now, there's a lot of... I don't know, excuses is the wrong word, but there's a lot of things that can be said about the situations that the Packers defense has been put in this year. These last couple games, they were on the field a ton. The offense put them in some poor positions. The special teams in the past has put them in a lot of poor positions. They haven't got to play a ton of a ton of the season with a lead, which is really advantageous for a defense. You can be a little bit more aggressive in those situations, but in the situations where the, the Packers have gained a lead and gained some momentum in games, it has kind of been a trend, at least it seems to be a trend, where they immediately give up a score on the following possession and give momentum right back, or at least lose momentum and get it back to an even type game. So that happened twice here. And right here on the second drive for Minnesota, uh, you know, they bounced right back six plays, 75 yards. Uh, capped off with a 26 yard touchdown catch and run by Dalvin Cook. Uh, Kentrell Bryce overran the play a little bit. Uh, wasn't a great defensive series overall. And then Bryce left the game with an injury after that. But again, a, a great bounce back drive if you're the Vikings. Obviously disappointing if you're the Packers defense. But Packers come right back. Seven plays, 75 yards. Equinemia St. Brown had a 23-yard catch on that drive, which was impressive. And it was ultimately capped off by an Aaron Jones six-yard touchdown run. Uh, really running that toss play, running behind David Bakhtiari that they've really enjoyed uh, running over the course of this season. And uh, a little bit of a wrinkle with uh, some... Uh, you know, fake, uh, you know, reverse action or, uh, you know, jet sweep action, I guess I should say on the play. And it was really well executed. And and Green Bay kind of came out at this point, 14 points in the first 16 minutes of the game. And they came out firing on all cylinders and it looked like they had some creativity. There was a play where they ran a, a fake end around. It was actually a fake jet sweep, a fake handoff, fake end around screen play. So three fakes on the play, which resulted in a screen. It just showed like they had a little bit more creativity on offense. And there was maybe some room for excitement, especially early in this game. And again, they had the 14 to seven lead. But once again, Green Bay's defense in a position to maybe keep that momentum and uh, get Green Bay really going in this game. And they couldn't do so. The Vikings answered right back. Eight plays, 75 yards, capped off with a 30-yard touchdown catch by Stephon Diggs. Uh, and give all the credit in the world to Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, first of all. These are two phenomenal receivers, and I have the utmost of respect for both of them as players, and I think they're both incredibly fun players to watch. But uh, this was a play where it looks like the you know Packers got a little bit crisscrossed in the secondary. Tremont Williams was involved. And again, it ultimately resulted in Stephon Diggs getting that 30-yard touchdown catch. Um, The Packers followed up with a punt, followed by a Vikings missed field goal. 
Um, the Packers then ended with another punt, which had an interesting decision here. Again, it was fourth and four in Minnesota territory late in the second quarter. Uh, I thought this was an opportunity for Mike McCarthy to be aggressive. He brought his offense back on the field. Uh, they basically just did some dummy cadence and ended up punting the ball away. The Vikings got the ball and then missed another field goal. And at that point, they were 0 for 5 on field goals against Packers this season. Uh, But they uh, had missed that second field goal there, which put the Packers in a pretty decent position. And and that led to halftime tied 14-14, really anybody's ball game at that point. Packers get the ball to start the second half. And uh, it goes punt-punt, so Packers punt and then the Vikings punt. And then here is really the the game-changing and, and potentially, I guess, a, a season-changing drive. And that was the fourth and four, uh, excuse me, fourth and one uh, in their own territory. And uh, Mike McCarthy decided to go for it. We're going to touch base on this at the end of the episode in, in much more detail. Uh, but a fourth and one that they call a timeout right before it. And uh, Aaron Jones couldn't pick up the yardage, wasn't blocked really well at all. Certainly didn't look at first glance like this was an issue with Aaron Jones in any way, shape, or form. Just looked like it didn't get blocked up. And uh, Vikings took over. The Packers defense actually did a pretty nice job of buckling down, but the Vikings had such great field position. uh, They were able to get a field goal off of that drive and and took the lead. And really they, uh, you know, the Packers would never have a lead from that point going forward. Uh, Green Bay would punt immediately after, and then the Vikings, uh, and actually uh, off of that punt, it was a big return. There was a penalty as well on the Packers special teams again. So again, the the Packers special teams reared its ugly head as well on this play and uh, led to a Vikings touchdown. They only had to go third. 31 yards, four plays, 31 yards, uh, capped off with a 14-yard Adam Thielen touchdown catch. Uh, Would then go uh, punt, punt. So the Packers would punt, the Vikings would punt. And then uh, on that punt would be the the punt where Tremont Williams muffed the punt. The Vikings got the ball. However, again, the Packers defense did a good job of really holding them and and actually holding the Vikings to to a turnover on down. So they didn't get any points off of that, which was really a potentially game-changing uh, series of events to, to keep it at a 10-point game there. If they picked up that first down even, uh, much less if they scored a touchdown, it was going to be completely over. But uh, nice job and kudos to the Packers defense on that drive for at least keeping it within the realm of possibility that the Packers could come back. Um, however, the, the Packers would then go on a nine play 73 yard drive actually, you know, went down the field pretty expeditiously. We're able to, you know, finish that drive prior to the two minute warning, which was huge. Uh, but here again, you know, Aaron Rodgers, who, uh, misses Adams completely. It, I mean, that's a, a gimme touchdown for Brett Hundley. Uh, that's a gimme touchdown for, for should be any quarterback in this league and, and Rogers overthrew it and, and flat out missed him. He admitted as much in his post-game press conference after the game and uh, they, they got a field goal out of it. So they were able to stay in the game. It ultimately wouldn't matter. They didn't get the onside kick and uh, Minnesota was able to run out the clock. The Packers could not get off the field. And uh, again, the Vikings ran out the clock, which resulted in a 17-24 to 24 loss at the hands of the Vikings, moving Green Bay to 4-6-1 and one on the year. 0-6, incredibly 0-6 on the road. Uh, they are now 7-8-1 in Rodgers' last full 16 games as a starter, and that's not an Aaron Rodgers stat. That's a Green Bay Packers stat. So I'm not specifically saying Aaron Rodgers is at fault with that record. I'm saying this isn't just a, well, Rodgers, you know, was hurt and Brett Hundley was in the game or in their last 16 games where Rodgers played and finished. Uh, and I'm not even counting the Vikings loss where he got hurt last year, where he started the game. I'm not counting that one. Uh, they're seven, eight, and one 
uh, in their last 16 games with Rodgers starting and finishing the game at quarterback. Uh, a, a couple things that I want to touch base off right, uh, you know, right off the bat here. So I mentioned earlier that Green Bay got off to that great start, scored 14 points in the first 16 minutes of the game. Well, here's how the Packers' possessions went from that point forward. Three plays, four yards. Four plays, 21 yards. Seven plays, 28 yards. Four plays, nine yards. Three plays, negative 12 yards. Five plays, 12 yards. Muffed punt. That was their next, what, two, four, six, seven possessions. Their next seven possessions was a total of 26 plays for 62 yards that included one turnover on downs and a muffed punt. Unbelievable. I mean, 62 yards, you know, Green Bay's capable, or at least that, you know, a good chunk of uh, the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers area is, is capable of putting up 62 yards on any given play. That's the type of offense that they had at one point to go in seven drives, 26 plays for 62 yards as absolutely an astonishing stat. And really then they had one more drive where again, they were able to get the field goal where Rogers missed on Adams at the end. Uh, you know, I think that went again, 70 plus yards. So they were able to cap it off uh, with that, to, you know, to, I guess, you know, put some yards uh, at the end of the game there, but 26 plays, 62 yards uh, in their next seven drives after going up 14 to seven. Uh, you know, absolutely, again, an incredible statistic. Uh, they ran only 51 plays of offense, which uh, in the past two games, they've ran under 100 plays combined. Uh, for comparison's sake, the Steelers were in the 70s today alone for offensive plays run. So not getting the, the amount of plays that they need to on offense. Now the Vikings ran 69 plays, again, to the Packers, 51. The Vikings had 22 first downs in comparison, 14 for the Packers. Total yards, Vikings 416, Packers 254, so not even close. Passing yards, Kirk Cousins versus Aaron Rodgers. 325 passing yards for the Vikings, 172 for the Packers. Packers had the lone turnover in the game. Once again, their defense could not generate any turnovers, which has been a major, major, major issue throughout the course of the season. Time of possession, Vikings had uh, time of possession by almost 10 full minutes in this game. And it's just, I mean, you want to talk about a recipe for uh, failure. And when you're on the road uh, playing against a, a good solid team in the Minnesota Vikings and your defense is pretty banged up, no Mike Daniels, uh, no King, you know, th- and then there were a multitude of injuries as this game went on and then no Raven Green, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a huge recipe, you know, again, for failure is to let the other team have the ball, you know, over 10, almost 10 minutes than what you have it and just wear down your defense. You could tell the defense was totally worn down, you know, towards the end of this game. And, and again, the, the offense and special teams did them no favors in any way, shape or form as well. Rogers finished 17 of 28 for 198 yards, one touchdown. And of course the big miss throw to Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, nothing really to, to write home about here. 17 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown, uh, three catches for 21 yards. So nothing you know too spectacular. I thought he ran hard. I thought he ran well. And the offense was still generally in a better position when he was in the game and getting touches. Uh, but he uh, did not have one of his you know marquee performances that uh, you know he's been so capable of. Devontae Adams, five catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. Also had the big pass interference call that set up a touchdown early in the game and then uh, really had the the touchdown at the end of the game too. Again, had Rodgers not missed him. 
And then on defense, again, no turnovers. Kenny Clark had a sack. Dean Lowry had a sack, although Dean Lowry's was very interesting. Mike Remmers basically pushed him into the quarterback. It it looked like Mike Remmers thought it was a screenplay and everyone else did not think it was a screenplay, uh, basically letting his man go and then starting to get upfield. But again, nobody else on the play was running a screen. So he basically pushed Dean Lowry into the quarterback. So Lowry did have the sack, but a little bit of a gift there. Meanwhile, again, Kenny Clark had the other sack, also got a big holding call uh, you know, in the game as well. So uh, an impressive performance from Kenny Clark once again. And again, he was, he was dominant throughout this game as well. Uh, and they were constantly double teaming him. Which really leads me to my players of the game. I basically touched base on him in the stats here, but offensive player of the game, Devontae Adams, when he's one-on-one, he's borderline unguardable at this point. And he is just such an impressive player. The back shoulder fade they ran to him early in the game was uh, fantastic. Again, he had the pass interference call, should have had the touchdown later in the game. Uh, he's just been uh, everything that Green Bay thought he was going to be. He looks like he's going to earn every dime of that contract that they gave him. And he's really been one of the MVPs for the Packers this season. So kudos to him. And then on defense, Kenny Clark, again, he had the sack. He also forced the holding penalty. Uh, he is constantly getting double teams and was opening things up for other players on defense. Uh, he certainly can't do it alone. And he missed his running mate, Mike Daniels, this game, but another really impressive performance from Kenny Clark as well. Looking forward to watching the tape in much greater detail on both Adams and Clark. A lot of injuries in this game. First of all, the inactives going into this game, Tim Boyle was a healthy scratch. Randall Cobb was out hurt. Kevin King was out hurt. Breland was out hurt. Raven Green out hurt. And then Alex Light was a healthy scratch. And then, of course, Mike Daniels was out injured as well. Jimmy Graham did play, although he was pretty limited. Uh, he did not start the game. Mercedes Lewis was in early in the game. Uh, he did have a couple catches throughout the game, but uh, did not really seem like himself and certainly seemed like he was uh, limited in what he was going to be able to provide uh, for the Packers. Um, Kentrell Bryce suffered an ankle injury early, came back, and then suffered a concussion. David Bakhtiari had a knee injury. He left, came back, and then left again. That's going to be obviously a huge injury to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Green Bay can ill afford, uh, you know, to have David Bakhtiari out for any you know period of time. Uh, even the few plays that he was out in this game, it was a nightmare. So uh, that's a huge one to keep an eye on. Equinemius St. Brown left with an elbow injury. Lane Taylor left with a quad injury. And that left basically uh, for a period of time, Jason Spriggs at left tackle and Justin McCray at left guard. And like I said earlier, that was an absolute nightmare. Trevor Davis left with a hamstring injury. Uh, you know, again, these these injuries have a major impact. Uh, if it weren't for that injury, um, Tremont Williams isn't returning the punt, which of course he muffed. Uh, he also, you know, was replaced by Jamon Moore uh, as a gunner, and Jamon Moore had the opportunity to down the punt, really probably within the you know three yard line, and instead he wasn't able to kind of pop the ball back out, and it ended up being a touchback. That's a play Trevor Davis certainly is capable of making. So that was a a low key big injury in that game, and then uh, Tony Brown was injured at one point. He came back, and then I. Uh, I know there were a couple other, you know, dings and nicks here and there. It certainly looked like Brian Bulaga was still fighting through some things at times. So uh, this team is really, really banged up at the moment. And uh, if, if they need, <laughs> if they need to go undefeated uh, to try to make a run at this thing, which, you know, again, however you want to view it, if that's in the best interest of the Packers at this point or not, is certainly uh, your prerogative. But they're going to have to really get some people healthy because right now they are incredibly banged up on offense and on defense. And 
when those injuries hit, especially again, the ones to Bakhtiari and Lane Taylor on the left side of the line, the, the offense basically couldn't do anything at that point. So lots to keep an eye on going forward. There's going to be lots to cover and lots to break down from this game over the course of the next few days. And of course, us here at the Packaday podcast will have you covered. You're certainly going to want to uh, you know, keep uh, a close ear to everything that's going to be going on. I'm sure there's going to be some injury updates. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of talk about Mike McCarthy unquestionably and, and what his future holds. Um, so make sure to you know listen in all this week. They're going to break it down in much greater detail. Uh, today, my goal was really just to kind of cover what happened to the game, uh, some of the key players. But the the last thing that I really wanted to touch base on today was that fourth down decision by Mike McCarthy. So a brief history lesson, which of course I know all of you know anyway. But of course, end of last week. Uh, the Packers had a fourth and two uh, late in the game, about four minutes left. I think it was four minutes and 20 seconds left in the game. And uh, they decided not to go for it. They punted the ball away. And of course, they never saw the ball again. And uh, Green Bay would go on to lose that game. I think everyone at that time, not second guessing, I think everyone at that time felt that that was a situation in which the Packers and Mike McCarthy needed to go for it, needed to be aggressive, go and make a statement. And they punted the ball away. And, you know, my, my comment was they basically punted the season away at that point. Well, then in the, in the second quarter in this game, again, we touched base on a little bit earlier, but they've got the fourth and four at the end of the second half. And this is another really great opportunity to go for it. You know, yes, it's a, you know, you're, uh, you know, tied at this point and you can pin them deep. There was still the opportunity if they got the three and out to get the ball back with great field position, but this is fourth and four in Minnesota territory. Uh, you're, you're at, I think like the 41 yard line of Minnesota, a punt doesn't really do you much here. You know, even if you down it, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, there's those opportunities, but this, this hasn't exactly been a team that you can count on uh, from a special teams and defensive standpoint to pin it down deep and get you a three and out and get the ball back and then go execute on offense and then actually make a field goal as well. So, you know, if this is a team that's struggling with those things and you need to kind of steal some possessions here or there, or kind of maybe simplify things, this is a great opportunity to go for it. Uh, he brought the offense out. They just basically uh, did the dummy cadence, try to draw them off sides. They didn't do it. So they punted the ball away and, uh, would, you know, Minnesota would basically go on to go on for a field goal attempt and uh, miss it. So it didn't end up being much, but that was another great opportunity that McCarthy had to be aggressive and go for it and, uh, and, uh, you know, try to get some points before half and take the lead. He didn't. All right. So it seemed at this point that, you know, this ultra aggressive, you know, Mike McCarthy wasn't going to be the McCarthy that we were going to see in this game. Okay, fine. If that's your decision, it's a close game. I'm okay with it. But then we get to this fourth and one situation. You're on your own 41 yard line. And the decision here, for some reason, out of nowhere, I felt like it was for the Packers to go for it. Now, yes, this was fourth and one. It wasn't fourth and two or fourth and four. This is the shortest distance that they had. But it was also a, a very disadvantageous position. You're on your own side of the field. There's no, you know, there's no reason for urgency at this point in the game. If you punt the ball away, uh, you know, it's a 14-14 game. Even if they go down and score, you still have, you know, get the ball back with plenty of time. You're, I mean, you're at the beginning of the third quarter. So it seemed like a really interesting spot to be aggressive. However, I will say 
that I've been asking Mike McCarthy to be aggressive and I've been, I've been wanting him to, you know, go for it in these situations. You've got nothing to lose. If you lose this game, it's, it's all over basically anyway. So if you want to go out and you want to be aggressive, go for it. Now I would have appreciated if that was going to be your game plan, then the fourth and four in the second quarter should have been gone, you know, for as well, because that was a better situation than this situation. But if, if now is the time you've made your halftime adjustment that you want to go out and in the second half, we're going to go out and be aggressive. Okay. I, I can buy it. I can understand it. I don't agree with it in this decision, but I'm not going to second guess too much you going out and being aggressive, especially when that's something that I've called for all week. However, we now get to the point and I could see it coming because with about 15 seconds on the play clock, you already see Mike McCarthy arguing with the referee. And I immediately tweeted, I said, I swear if they take a timeout here, because this has of course been a major situation and a major issue where they continue to waste timeouts in the second half. This is the perfect decision, you know, opportunity to, to rethink your decision. The decisions made for you on the field at this point. This was a this was a questionable decision of whether or not you should go for it here anyway. And probably the smart decision in that situation is that you punt. So now you're the play clock's running out. You're not going to get the play in on time. The obvious, the obvious, obvious, obvious decision here is that you take the five yard penalty. You're only back to the 36 yard line. You punt the ball away. You can still pin Minnesota deep. Trust your coverage in that situation. And you're tied 14-14. Minnesota's going to get the ball. And your defense had looked decent against them throughout the course of the last three drives. They just held a three and out. Go and you know live to see another down and live to see another day. That was not the situation to call a timeout and waste a timeout and then go for it. And the, the, again, basically the decision was made for you. Just take the penalty. And here's why I hate it so much. We know that this is a close game. It's 14-14. You played them to a tie last game. You're 14-14 through two plus quarters in this game. You know you're two evenly matched teams. You know this is going to come down to the end. You know those timeouts matter. So why are you wasting one and going for it in a questionable decision when you could easily just punt the ball away and live to see another down and again, another day. It was a very, very frustrating decision and it completely changed momentum. But again, we're still in a situation that he can be bailed out here, right? So I hate the timeout. I'm not a huge fan of the decision of going for it. I hate it even more once you have to waste the timeout. But now you've called the timeout and you've got the ability to still pick up this first down and all right, you're still on this path of wanting to be aggressive. Okay. So the play call, and again, what you also need to recognize here is this is right after Lane Taylor went out. You could tell at this point, Bakhtiari was playing, but you could tell that something wasn't totally right. He was consistently getting up off the ground slow. And Byron Bell is at right guard. Of course, he had had the issue with his shoe. He's back in. McCray's at left guard. And you know, Byron Bell's, in my opinion, your worst offensive player. And the decision is to go halfback dive with a tight set, pretend all of a sudden that you're a power running team and run behind Byron Bell in the interior of that offensive line. Justin McCray and Byron Bell are your two worst players on offense to, to trust them to make those specific blocks in that play and to lack any creativity. It is literally just a halfback dive. There's no jet sweep motion played off of it. This is not a read option where Rodgers could keep. This is straight up fourth and one Aaron Jones dive. And again, I've been a proponent of giving Aaron Jones the ball. I've been a proponent of being aggressive specifically in this game. 
but you have to have some level of common sense. This is not the matchup. This is not the time. This is not the area of the field that you want to be making this call. So I thought this was a complete strikeout on Mike McCarthy. Uh, I didn't like the decision uh, to begin with, but I could have lived with it. I hated it once you had to call the timeout and I hate the timeout there. And then I really just did not like the play call as well. Vikings get it. They go down, they score a field goal. And uh, it was really a momentum changing play and you could just feel it. And Green Bay would never uh, be tied again after that drive. Uh, the Vikings scored a field goal and then they the Packers, um, I, th- I don't know if it was three and out, but basically punted the ball away. Uh, Vikings went down and scored a touchdown and it was, it was done. It was over and you could just sense it. And it was a, a game changing uh, decision by Mike McCarthy. And here's something that is, popped its ugly head up multiple, multiple times. And I'm talking still about the timeouts in the second half. These timeouts in the second half are valuable and they are limited. They are a valuable and limited resource that you only get three of. Yards are not a valuable and limited resource. And what I mean by that is in the second half, unless it's a, you know, game altering decision where you have to go for it and you have to make sure you're in the right call. Or if you're about to give up a touchdown on defense, cause you don't have enough guys on the field or there's somebody wide open, you should not be calling timeouts in the second half until you absolutely have to. And I am a proponent on offense of always taking the delay of game instead of uh, calling a timeout. And again, unless it's like third and four or something like that, I'm a proponent as well of jumping off sides on defense and, and going into the neutral zone and making contact and giving up five yards rather again than using a timeout because those timeouts are so incredibly valuable. In the first half, I don't have a major issue with it. it you know, you're not going to be calling timeouts to try to get the ball back to win the game in the first half. If you've got plays that you need to take a timeout in the first half, it's no big deal. You can't carry them with you in the second half. And there's no guarantee you're going to need them at the end of that first half. But in the second half, you almost always in in these close game situations are going to need those timeouts and you're going to need them in crunch time. And you always want to have them as a backup in case you, you know, have that situation where you want to be able to go for it. But if you don't get it, you can use three timeouts and hopefully hold them on three plays and get the ball back. But wasting those timeouts has been a constant issue and they just, you know, do it without any seemingly any thought that these could be something that you don't want to waste the, the, um, you know, the timeouts because the play clocks are clock is running down, whatever the case may be, it's got to be better. It's got to get cleaned up. And those are, again, our valuable resources that you can't get back. If you take the delay of game, you can get five yards back on the next play. It's not that difficult in any way, shape, or form to get five yards back. Same thing on a neutral zone infraction if you take that instead. Keep your timeouts in the second half because you're going to need them. I'm off my soapbox now. Thank you for staying with me. It's something that bothers me so much. It's something that I think most Madden players get. You don't waste timeouts because you're going to need them at the end of the game. And uh, it's just a, a frustrating, frustrating thing to watch week in and week out. These timeouts get wasted and just thrown away like they're candy because they're unequivocally not and they're valuable, valuable resources. So Packers fall to four, six, and one. They've got two home games against Arizona and Atlanta. I guess the playoffs are still ultimately a possibility if they go nine, six, and one. They've really only got one tough game left on the road against the Bears. Um, they're going to have to win that to try to avoid going 0-7 on the road. You know, I think Arizona should be a fairly easy game. Who, know? I, who knows, I guess. But it should be, I mean, what, 
Phillip Rivers was what, like 28 of 29 passing against the Cardinals defense today. So um, I get, you know, if Bakhtiari and Daniels and, you know, King and some of these players are all out, I guess maybe all bets are off, but this should be a game at home. They're undefeated at home this season. Uh, at least they haven't lost at home. Um, this is a game they should win easily. I don't have a ton of faith with the Falcons game. You know, it'll be dependent upon how much the Falcons still care about their season at that point. They're basically in the same, you know, situation that the Packers are in. Both teams need to win out. Uh, but I, you know, I still think the Falcons are, are similar to the Packers that they've got, you know, some talent, but things just haven't gelled this season. But I, I wouldn't take that game for granted. You know, you've got at Chicago, you've got at the Jets, uh, and then you've got, um, you know, Detroit, I believe at home uh, as well. So, you know, not anything too crazy difficult. The Bears game is obviously going to be the toughest one, but, you know, nine, six and one, I guess is still a possibility. We'll see what happens. Only five games left. It seems crazy to say, but only five games left and uh, no chance of getting to 10 wins, which again is what my, Mike McCarthy always says is the time you can start talking about playoffs. Where does this leave Green Bay and Mike McCarthy going forward? I said at the beginning of the year in the situation where Mike McCarthy didn't make the playoffs or even maybe potentially went out in the first round of the playoffs, I said from the very beginning of the year, if that's the situation, I don't see Mike McCarthy coming back. Time will tell. I think that's you know more than likely the case at the moment. Um, it certainly would seem like it's time to move on from from Mike McCarthy, but uh, time will tell. And you know they've got five games left, and I think the, your biggest thing to look for within these next five games is, is there any quit in the Packers? You know, if they go five and zero, and even if they don't make the playoffs, I, I'm, I'm ready to move on at this point. I think a lot of Packer fans are, but uh, I, I could see them sticking with McCarthy in that situation, you know, to, to, to buoy, um, it, you know, the, the hopes at that point of trying to make the playoffs and to come back, you know, from a, a really tough stretch to go five and zero at the end of the season and not have the team quit, would be a pretty big statement. Um, but at the same time, one, I don't see that happening. And two, if if this team quits in any way, shape, or form over the course of the next five weeks and you see a you know a loss to the Cardinals next week or you know like a 31 to nothing loss to the Bears or something like that, you'll know it when you see it. And if you see it, that's that's the whole that's the final dagger. There's no coming back from that. If the, if this team shows any signs of quitting, I didn't see a ton of signs. I saw a team that was worn down. I saw a team that maybe at the end of the game wasn't giving quite a hundred percent, but I think it was more to do of, especially in defense where they just weren't, I think they were just worn down. I, they've played four of their last five on the road. And uh, you know, the, they've been on the field a ton, especially these last two games. And I just don't think they had much left. They've been super banged up. I didn't see a team that quit on the coach. If that happens, then it's, it'll be the final day. It might be a, the, the final dagger might be there already. I'm not saying that it's not, but uh, if you see that, then it, it's for sure over. That's your hundred percent tell at that point, you know, who knows, you know, what this will leave for the rest five, you know, the next five games in the season, certainly something to keep an eye on. Of course, we'll have you cover here at the pack a day podcast. That's going to do it for me today. Um, uh, you know, I could probably go on and on and on about some other decisions, some other plays, you know, Rogers of course has to make that play to Adams and those plays continue to be super frustrating. I'm sure these topics will be discussed ad nauseum on both you know, sports talk radio on TV. And then, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be covering in depth as well here on the pack a day podcast, but 
Um, we'll get to those another day, another time. This has been your post-game show for Packers Vikings. Again, my name is Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. You can always follow the podcast on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Make sure to listen tomorrow. Uh, Janelle Mackey and Matt Freilich will have you covered. They'll break all of this, you know, the stuff that happened from today's game and all of the fallout, all of the injury updates. Uh, you know, Mike McCarthy's presser tomorrow. They'll have you covered with all of that. Um, you know, in uh, you know, for Tuesday's episode, and of course, a lot of uh, in-depth coverage and. Um, I'm sure as the week goes on, we'll start transitioning as well to the Cardinals game. So make sure to listen in this week. The team's doing a phenomenal job. And and thank you so much for listening as always. We always appreciate our amazing listeners. I know sometimes it's a little bit difficult to, to listen after a loss and, you know, kind of relive all the things that just went on, especially when it wasn't super fun the first time, but you guys are the best. Thank you so much for following us on Twitter and liking and commenting and uh, listening every week and, and every day. We certainly appreciate it. We couldn't do it without you. So thanks as always, even in situations like this, go Pack Go. Six seconds ago, ball just outside the four. Roger shotgun looks to his right. Snap to A-Rod. Throws right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! The dagger to Andrew Paulus on the right side! Aaron pointing to the right now. Gets the snap. Looking. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping right yes. at the Bethlehem. Yes! Touchdown Green Bay! A spectacular throw and catch to the left side of the end zone. Rodgers from the 42 New York. Fourth down and two. Snap to A-Rod. Looking downfield. Scrambles right. Now winds up. Rainbows into the end zone. It is Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.